Animal Magnetism. Exploring animal care for creatures great and small. Conservation and preservation in today's world. Find out what a single voice can do to make a difference in the lives of animals. Animal Magnetism with Carolyn Hennessy starts right now on UVN Radio. It's so, so not one voice, Tony. It's just not one voice. It's many, many, many voices. Can I, can I redo my own promo? Can I redo it? Yeah, because, because it ain't, it ain't one voice. <laughs> not by a long shot. Welcome once again, animal preservationists and conservationists, animal lovers everywhere, to Animal Magnetism. I am your animal loving host. Carolyn Hennessy here once again. Well, actually, not once again because she's been gone for how many? How many weeks have you been gone, Andrea? Oh, just a few. Just a few. Yeah, just a few. Well, that matters. Okay, that matters on this show. Uh, you've been you've been hither and yon. You've been trekking and biking and hiking and walking and I mean working you, and, and working. Yes, working. Okay. <laughs> yes, Andrea Compton, my my producer and and co-host extraordinaire. Yeah. Thank you. And once Missed again, you and glad to be back. I'm glad. Well, we are, we are all glad you are back. And and also joined by my Alpha and Omega, my, my animal mentor, my other co-host, who was a temporary co-host and now is basically permanent, <laughs> uh, Dr. Gray Stafford. Good morning. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. Hey! Here's my question for you. Did you ever uh, contact Dr. Nielsen? Did he contact you? Dr. Nielsen, yes. Really? Well, we, we had our first exchange. We haven't followed up. so we got Follow up. Because that yeah. could bring you to Los Angeles, and then you could sit in on this show <laughs> physically. <laughs> I'm not sure we'd get much done if we were both in the same location it would, it all would the be, time. We, I, well, that's true. Uh, that's true. We would save a lot of animals, but everything else would suffer. Um, um <laughs> And and we have an amazing guest who I will just, who I will introduce in just a moment. But first of all, we have two new sponsors, two Great. new sponsors. SeaWorld, and this is my fabulous SeaWorld rescue hat. SeaWorld is now sponsoring the show. Yay, SeaWorld! Um, just SeaWorld rescue. I think thirty-seven. It might be thirty-four, but I think it's thirty-seven thousand animals rescued and the reason I think I know this is because that's the same number of years that SeaWorld has not taken anything out of the wild so we love our SeaWorld we love our SeaWorld and all they do for animals my god cetaceans birds you name it they they rescue it and nutrient touch this is basically a fabulous de-stressing um, um, bath for your dogs for dogs cats mm horses, you name it, and this is, it's, it's reducing joint pain, increasing mobility, and lowering stress, and it's, a, it's, it's uh, I think there are like two or three baths for your dogs in this one little packet, and you can find it by Nutrient Touch Corporation, so look, look for NutrientTouch.com, and um, I've done it actually with Sophie Tucker, and it, it, the big thing it does is it reduces inflammation. They have one for humans too, but we don't care about that on this show. That was my question. <laughs> oh, yes, they do. They have they have one for humans, and uh, and I actually have some, so I may send it to you, okay. or or give it to you when you get the job. Today we have got amazing, amazing woman, uh, Dr. Cynthia Smith, who heads up the National Marine Mammal Foundation. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Indeed. 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 And we are here today to talk about, well, Gray, first of all, I, I listened to your podcast on this, on this particular topic, and that is the disappearance, the possible extinction of the vaquita, which is a small, very shy, beautiful little porpoise that lives down in the Gulf of Mexico, in the, nor in the northern section of the, of the Gulf of Mexico. In the Gulf of California. Gulf of California. Yes. Sea of Cortez. Sea of Cortez. Yes. I'm all right. I'm all right. I just I just know that the Mexican government is involved some way and I went and I went there. Yes. So the Gulf of California, thank you for that correction. Um, 
and the fact that I think when we spoke about this subject a year ago, there mm-hmm. were 30. Roughly 1958, they discovered this, uh, this, this species, and there were about 600. They, they guesstimated there were about 600. N- last year, there were 30. So 1958 to... 2018, and we've seen an absolute decimation of the species. And now we believe that there are roughly 15. So it's it's been cut in half in 12 months. And if things go the way that they that they are continuing to go, we will see the extinction of the species in another 12 months. But Dr. Cynthia Smith, Dr. Smith, um, is working to prevent that with the National Marine Mammal Foundation. Dr. Smith, let's talk about, first of all, the National Marine Mammal Foundation. It's roughly about 10 years old, and you started small, but you're growing big. Yeah, yeah, we are exactly. We're 10 years old. We started with a staff of about um, nine, and now we're 150 strong. So we have veterinarians, scientists, educators, animal care experts. We, We have an amazing group of people. And we're headquartered here in San Diego, but we do also have an office now in Charleston, and that office is focused um, entirely on conservation medicine. So it's been a, a really amazing journey and just an honor to be a part of the organization and to see it grow the way it has. Was this was this organization founded specifically for the vaquita? I don't think it was. It was founded because there is no. there is so much that's happening in the Gulf of California, the Gulf of Mexico, everywhere. Everywhere there's water. There's there's decimation of species happening. So so you you lead this now. You were were you a founder of this? So Vaquita CPR is a consortium of 22 organizations across nine countries. And Vaquita we're so we're a member of that um, organization. And we were asked by the Mexican government to help lead the consortium and a rescue effort that took place in 2017. So our organization um, was well suited just because we do all kinds of animal work with small cetaceans in particular. And so, and our proximity to Mexico, I mean, we are you know, right here close to the border. And so it really um, was a kind of made sense that we would be the ones to help uh, launch a rescue effort that's just about three, four hours from San Diego. I'm fascinated that the Mexican government actually came in and asked you to help because oh, yeah. that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's very hopeful because they have not, even though there have been all these regulations, I, th- I believe, put in place, they have not been able to stop the illegal gillnet fishing. In- yeah. Right. And, you know, it's really interesting because the Mexican government actually has done quite a bit in terms of vaquita conservation and Many years ago, they created a committee of scientists to help guide and inform their conservation efforts. And where it really fell uh, short of what they were trying to accomplish was just the execution of the plan. And so there was not good enforcement um, and execution of what they were trying to accomplish by protecting where these animals live in the Sea of Cortez and helping the fishermen develop other ways of making a living so that they didn't have to rely on fishing. And then you add on top now this new wildlife trafficking issue, which is just heartbreaking, and the species is declining even more rapidly as you you very well um, captured over the last couple of years. All right, so let's talk about, let's talk about gillnet fishing. Yeah. Why it is, why, why it's, why it's so dangerous. And what and and the fact that the vaquita is is the word is bycatch. It they are they are not the the thing that is being fished or hunted. They are simply, as Grace said so eloquently in his podcast, innocent bystanders. And they because they are so small, they are actually able to get into these nets. So we'll talk about let's what what's what is a gill net for for my listeners who don't know. Yeah, so a gill net is one of the most common types of uh, fishing. Uh, nets that is used globally and it unfortunately indiscriminately catches animals of all different sizes and so as you can see sea turtles and fish and sharks and dolphins even whales can get entangled in these nets and uh, the ones that that need to breathe air drown rapidly and then others that need water to be moving across their gills do also eventually drown and so it is there it's just a really unsustainable way of fishing 
but we haven't provided these, especially these small fishing communities that live all across the world and really rely on that to feed their families and sustain themselves. We haven't, as a global community, offered them all really meaningful alternatives. And is, so until we do that, it's going to continue to be a problem. Is there a meaningful alternative to a gillnet? I think if you're, um, if we look at alternative fishing solutions, and it's really about fishing in a different way, there are things that have been developed, but the issue is that either they haven't been implemented into the regions that need them most, or they're just not as good at helping them um, obtain the fish that they're after. Right. And so I, I think there, a lot of people would answer that question a lot of different ways, but certainly in the Sea of Cortez, there are not alternative fishing solutions um, or alternative livelihoods for those communities. So that's a really important thing for us all to be thinking about is it's it's easy for us all to say, save the vaquita, stop fishing, right. get your right. nets no, no, out no, of the no. water, but it's much more difficult to actually solve that with meaningful solutions no, because you, so that they can survive, the, fish, the fishing communities can survive as well. You cannot ask someone to give up their livelihood because I've got this this fabulous plan for getting the uh, the mules that draw the carriages in New Orleans because I think that is so archaic and so mm. of a bygone era and so unnecessary. I've got this fabulous plan <laughs> to get them off off the cobblestone streets, but I also have another plan to keep those those carriage companies in business. So you cannot ask someone to stop what they're doing without giving them an alternative. I, right. I, I completely agree with that. But now it's made a little bit more enticing to, mm. to, to drop nets and to fish in the Sea of Cortez because that's also the home of the Totuaba. Am I pronouncing yeah. that correctly? Totuaba? That's correct. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. And the moment I start thinking that China, the Asian countries, are possibly getting on the right road. I mean, just even, you know, starting to put regulations in place for, for traffickers, for poachers, and things like that. I hear about something like the, to the, the Totuaba and their gas bladder, their swim bladder, and the fact that this is now prized as such a delicacy. And I think, right. no, no, still backwards, still, yeah. still archaic thinking, still wrong, southward moral compass pointing thinking. Because... This is why these gas bladders, this fish is is the thing in the Sea of Cortez that that, right. that the gillnets are being dropped for. This that fish. is right. And and the you know we talked um, about alternative solutions and that's important. But then why this problem has evolved is because it was a problem of unsustainable fishing practices. It evolved into a wildlife trafficking issue because this fish and its swim bladder is so attractive on the black market in China, then now the um, organized crime, uh, the organized criminals in Mexico and really far beyond have realized how much money they can make and quite easily without much of a risk to themselves because there's not a lot of people chasing these wildlife traffickers in general in the grand scheme of, of crime. Um, and so it really has taken a chokehold on these communities and they don't have alternative solutions right now. So it's an easy thing to just walk right into. And so, of course, that's not the decision we want these communities to be making. But in the face of um, seeing their livelihoods disappear, that they're just, it's very easy to draw them into this um, organized crime trap. And then they can't get out. And we've seen that and you'll see it if you do see the, um, the Sea of Shadows sea of film, Shadows. which which we'll talk about, I'm right. sure, you know, it is very well shown how these these different folks get kind of entrapped in this web of corruption and crime and they just can't get out. No, so. and, and once you're in, you are you are in because it's not just um, the the Mexican criminal element. It's also the Chinese mafia, the Chinese criminal element, because one of these swim bladders goes for ten thousand dollars. Ten right. just for just one. Do we know what it is that the Chinese think that this is doing for them? This eating this the eating of this mm -hmm. swim bladder. Yeah, we what we've what we've heard and understood is that um, pregnant women can find some relief from their discomfort, and then there's also the typical 
um, good health, prosperity, all of those things. But there's absolutely no scientific evidence to show there that it does anything. <laughs> there and never just, is. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's just one of the many products from uh, animals that we all care very much about that are being trafficked to China and utilized for more traditional purposes or myths, really, medical myths, than they are for actual uh, medical healing properties. So it's um, the same with, with rhino horn and elephant tusk and pangolin scales. So, I mean, the list goes on and on for um, all of the other animals and, and that are being unfortunately caught and killed for these products that are going to China. So you know, that's a really big part of this issue. I think there's a sense of, of, of shame and, and sort of an, uh, an ignorance on, on the part of some Asian individuals because I was speaking with a girl from China just last week and she happened to be uh, at, a, at a facility that I was at and she's, she's one of these genius you know, women who's studying you know, micro bionomes or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, completely off topic, I said, what do you think about the Yulin Dog Meat Festival? And she says, oh, I don't know anything about that. And I said, well, yes, and here is, here is what it is. And she says, oh, I don't think that happens. And I said, yeah, it does. It actually does. Um, and she said, well, I know that in my province we treat our dogs with a tremendous amount of respect. And I thought, okay, so either you are not being truthful or you don't know or you are trying to cover up what is certainly an incredibly shameful practice because this is the country that gave us Confucius, for heaven's sakes. This is the country that has given us so much Eastern wisdom, and then they do this. They have this backward nonsensical, irrational love of things that do nothing for them and, and, are, and are decimating animals. And I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm always baffled by that. So, so now we've got, we had 30 Vaquita, now we've got 15. When mm -hmm. was Sea of Shadows filmed? This is, this is the documentary that was, that was executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio and directed by... Hello. Let me just make sure I've got this. Make sure I've got this. I can help you with that. Richard Ledconi. Yes, Richard Ledconi. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And and so when when was this filmed? It was filmed in 2017, and we were first introduced to Richard um, because of our rescue effort that uh, was being planned for October of 2017, and Richard was actually. Um, involved already with Leonardo DiCaprio because together they had made a film called The Ivory Game about the uh, slaughter of elephants and then the illegal export of ivory to and then trafficking it to China. So when we were looking for a documentary filmmaking company to help really document what was going on and the plight of the vaquita, um, Leonardo DiCaprio had already gotten involved in vaquita conservation in general had been speaking with the Mexican president who was then speaking with our direct point of contact in Mexico about our rescue effort. And so things just started to fall in place for um, Leonardo uh, to be wanting to help with right. the film effort and then wanting Richard in, in particular to make the film because he really uh, made an amazing film about elephants that actually was able to, we believe, influence uh, go, uh, government law or, or the actions of the Chinese government in outlawing the importation of ivory. So there was a lot of hope, uh, I think, put in uh, Richard, and he really delivered on this on this film. So, so the the rescue effort was then documented. Is is it, it, this this documentary is about this is about this rest this particular rescue effort in 2017 and everything right. that you had to contend with. Um, protests, from what I from what I saw from the trailer, protests back back and forth. You had you do you show this this incredible consortium of like minded and truly non like minded organizations. I mean, we have activists. We've got right. on, on one side that want all the tanks emptied. We've got scientists, conservationists. Um, we've got local and regional governments involved, um, mm -hmm. and and this shows all of this all to save the remaining, at that point, 30 
of these small little porpoises and relocate them. Right. Where would you, if you were, to, if I, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen the film, so I really can't spoil the film. But mm -hmm. uh, so, so I guess I will ask because there's so much drama, even just what from what I've seen from the trailer, and I encourage everyone to go see Sea of Shadows. Um, there was a tremendous, there was a lot of conflict, and there were you were put in potentially fatal situations. So, yes, there was a lot of conflict, uh, and you, you're right. I mean, this film brought together people from all different aspects of conservation and the extreme, the extreme ends of conservation, and that is what really was so inspiring about what happened and, and watching people. Um, it took having the situation get extremely dire, but when, um, when we got to that point, seeing people completely set their differences aside and say, you know what, we don't have time to argue. We, we all agree. We want to save this animal and we're going to help each other. And so it was, I remember there was one meeting in particular we had in San Diego and um, we were really talking about how to launch this effort. And we had people from all aspects that probably didn't think they would ever find it themselves in the room, in a room, in a room together. To yes. And asking each other their, you know, well, what would you do? And how would you do? You know, they were brainstorming together. And it was, oh, I just saw the future of conservation in that moment. And it was just so invigorating. And, and I was like, oh, this is it. This is how we do this. And we could just do more of that. And I apologize for the beautiful sun coming uh, in. Uh, Never apologize for the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Having a beautiful sunny San Diego day. Yes. We anyway, <laughs> perfect actually timed with the with what I'm trying to share, which is that, you know, it really I hope other people in the room were having that same moment where they were realizing why have we not been willing to talk to each other about all of these things? Because we all want the same thing, you know, which is to save species. That that just made this show go from rather dire news to an incredibly hopeful experience and thank you so yeah. much do you see this because i do want to find out exactly where you would where you would relocate the vaquita but but we'll get to that in a moment mm -hmm. do you see this truly as the future of conservation do you see these individuals who were in this room together from disparate organizations with with disparate mindsets taking this this camaraderie and this you know what we don't have time to wait attitude back to their organizations and trying to disseminate that attitude, you know, in, in their boardrooms, in their workspaces. Do you see that happening? Have you, have you kept in touch with some of these people saying, look, you know, spread the word? Yes, very much so. And I see, I see it. I don't think it's necessarily the same exact, you know, the same exact people. I think it's a blueprint for what, for oh. how we can get this done. And, you know, there are so many other species we could start talking about that are approaching this point. And I'm actually, you know, and actually I'm seeing it. So we had a workshop in Germany last December where we talked about, we got um, folks together that were from all different aspects of marine mammal conservation and all different uh, perspectives and got together and said, hey, you know, we, we can't let this happen again, what happened with Zakita. And part of the reason we're in the position we are with the Kita is because it didn't happen sooner. So let's not, let's not have that happen again. Let's start talking right now today. How are we going to collaborate on these right. issues and what's everybody going to bring to the table? And it was an amazing workshop. And so I, was, I again was encouraged by what, you know, and, and at the beginning of the workshop, there was um, trepidation and you could see folks like okay they, there had to be daggers trust hidden developed <laughs> there had to be trust and reimagining what it can look like right. and that it doesn't necessarily look like um, what it could have looked like 50 years ago it looks like what we're all envisioning it to look like today so it's I think we're on the right track and Good. I just hope more people join and and really get behind that kind of approach because it can be it can be scary to do but but look what you can do if you actually join forces well if you actually open your mind up to to a different perspective which right. is you know which is which is so incredibly important and so not done so you use the word happened to the vaquita you used the past tense yeah so i am going to assume from that 
Now, the rescue effort that was documented by Sea of Shadows took place in 2017. It's 2019. We've lost half of them. Do you think that this species is now a lost cause? No, I don't. And, you know, I, I know that some people really do. There, there's, there's two reasons why I don't. Maybe there's a million reasons why I don't, but there's two really important reasons why I don't yet think it's a lost cause. One is because of the really amazing genetic work that the Southwest Fisheries Science Center has done. And they are telling us from everything they've learned from um, vaquitas that have been recovered that they have been a small population for a long time. They have already gone through the pressure that a small population places on an individual or a population level DNA profile. And so the genetic strength is there for them. They've already purged out the, let's just say bad genes or whatever you wanna phrase that. And they now have a lot of genetic strength. So, and we know because we see them um, right now in the wild, they're still having babies. So we know, and they look good, their body condition is good. Um, and so everything else we know, there are no other threats to their lives right now, except for nets. So we just have to get the nets out. So that is one thing that really encourages me. And then the movement that I'm seeing this film create and the passion, it needs to spread. Right now, it's very much in the US as we travel with the film and people start to open their eyes to like, wait a minute, I have a voice here, I can actually help. Um, and we are you know, generating some really forward motion on what, um, and, and pressure to put on not just the Mexican government, but the US government, the Chinese government, that together they, they can hear our voices. We wanna save these animals. We have to provide solutions for the fishermen. So I, I don't know, it just feels like there's a really positive wave of um, emotion and passion and goodwill that it, we actually have a shot, but we don't have much time. Uh, we, like we don't. Every minute matters. Right, so right. The more now that get involved, the better. Right. I, I want to talk to you about a little bit more about this this passionate drive, and I want to talk to you about specifically in a moment what that will look like because it's it's it is it is truly it's one thing to say we need more forward motion, we need more voices raised, we need. But I want, especially for my listeners to get into the nuts and bolts of how they do that, who they write to, et cetera, et right. cetera, et cetera. So we, I want to talk about that in, in a moment, but let's go back to the to the gene pools of, of, of the vaquita, um, or the, the gene pool. We, we, we were able to recover, because it, what's, 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 what we talked about about the vaquita on, on the last show that we did and what I think is, is probably um, pointed out in the movie is how elusive this little dolphin is because it's living, it's not in clear waters, it's in murky waters, all the sediment and the nutrients from, I believe it's the Colorado River, right? That flows into yes. the Sea of Cortez, yes. And it stirs up, stirs up. So we are able to, they use echolocation and we are able, these, these, these pods, so we are able mm -hmm. to locate them. I wanna talk about the pods in a minute. So we, you, you can, you, we know how many there are, roughly, but we do have we recovered any vaquita? We must have. In terms of in terms of 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 bodies. In terms of oh, in terms of bodies. So we are so we are talking about vaquita that have been caught and passed, caught in the gill nets and passed. And so it is from that that you 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 what uh, ne necrop necropsy necropsy. No. necropsy. That's correct. So yeah, for years, um, any animals that are either drowned in gill nets and then wash up on the shore. They're um, recovered, not all the time, but some of the times they're recovered. And then there's an organization called Profepa. They're kind of like the EPA, but they're actually an enforcement agency as well. They will recover those bodies and then get them to the proper people. Um, and so those have been necropsied over the years and then tissues have been sampled and gotcha. taken okay. right here to San Diego, okay. um, to the Southwest Fishery Science Center. So that's one way. And now Sea Shepherd, when they recover a vaquita in their net, um, they've always been dead, but they will also help get those bodies to the right place, which eventually comes across the Mexico U.S. border and gets to the, um, the science center. 
these pods that are able what are they, what are they what are they called they are called, called c pods c pods uh, which are yeah acoustic listening devices that are deployed in a grid pattern in the sea of cortez focused where we um, believe vaquitas live now what's interesting about the c pods is that you're able to, obviously able to locate them discover how many of them there are but these c pods have also been purloined is the nice word they've been stolen by the criminal element that's and right. how have they is that how have they been using them why have they been using them what what benefit is that to them there um, really is none except to just foil uh, the plans of the scientists and the reason really to do that is because the c pods help us um, document and track where the animals are and where the gillnets so if, are uh, where the where the animals are. So the CPEDs are detecting the animals, the vaquitas. Right. And, and yes. And so if they disappear, the evidence that they still exist disappears. Uh -huh. And so they start to, you know, it's a lot easier for them to say, well, the vaquita already went extinct. Uh, I understand. I understand. Okay. I was, yeah. I was thinking, well, of course, you cannot... Ec you cannot echolocate something that is caught in a gillnet if it is if it is if it is already perished. Obviously, that's correct. Um, so it's only the live animals that right, they are detecting. Right. Where would you transport if you were if you if this rescue effort had gone off as planned, or if another rescue effort is 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 put in place and and it goes off as planned? Where will you transport the animals because they need a specific environment? That's right. So we had built um, we had built a very large sea pen that was based on the technology and the knowledge that has been gained for years of housing different types of animals in sea pen environments. And we had been collaborating with um, Fjord and Belt, which has a facility in the Netherlands where they have harbor porpoises in a sea pen environment. So we had already built this 40 meter variable depth sea pen to be the starting point. So that would be the first stop. Can the animals actually tolerate being in the care of humans in this kind of enclosure. And um, that was actually built and anchored right next to the coastline in San Felipe. If they had been successfully acclimated into that environment, then we already had um, our people in place to then build a very large sanctuary that um, a sea pen facility where the animals could be cared for, could live and breed, and then be eventually reintroduced back into the Sea of Cortez without ever leaving the local area. And we talked about all options. You know, we walked through where should they, where's the best place for them to be, and uh, the best place for them to be is close to the close to their natural environment. So we didn't want to to stray too far away. And we also knew how important it was to the community. And they were telling us that. They were telling us, don't take the vaquita away somewhere far away um, from, from San Felipe where we identify with the animal. Uh, leave it here and let us be part of the solution. So that was really part of the big picture plan. Is there another rescue effort planned for these remaining yeah. 15? No, there isn't right now. And, you know, it was, uh, it was so, uh, when, when the decision was made, because there were two animals that were, were captured for this rescue effort. The first one was a younger animal and she was in our care for about four hours and she never settled down. She was, um, just kind of that typical young cetacean uh outward stress level and we couldn't we couldn't calm her to the point where we felt comfortable moving forward so we released her and completely regrouped and we had to ask questions is it because she's young uh or is it because she's a vaquita and so you know when we were running some of the um reevaluating and analyzing some of the data that we had collected while she was in our care and at the end of that, we said, well, we, we don't know. We can't determine it from the time that we spent with her. So mm -hmm. we're going to try again. But we kind of changed our criteria and said we're not going to bring in a young animal um, unless we have more than one. And then we, the second animal was an old female. Um, she was at least 15 years old, but that's as far as they could get with the aging um, techniques. So she could have been older, which is old for a porpoise. And... 
Um, you know, she looked great until she didn't. And so we ended up having to do an emergency release with her. So she was looking like she was showing positive signs of acclimation until she wasn't. So at that point, then again, you're stuck with the question, is it because they're vaquitas or is it, was this an individual animal issue? But you got to just, with so few animals, you have to assume it's because they're vaquitas. So there was a lot, you know, we got a lot of really wonderful feedback from all around the community. Some people saying, please don't leave. You have to keep trying. They're going to drown. Um, to others saying, you know, we tried and and we cannot continue to go forward because there's just, you know, because of what those first two animals uh, revealed to us. So it's a really heartbreaking situation. And I think an important lesson for us all to learn is you can't wait until there are 30 to start trying something like this. You have to determine if XE2 conservation, which is basically removing animals from a dangerous situation, if that's an option when there's thousands so that you have time to get to know the animals in more of a stepwise fashion and with um, the stakes just not being so insanely yeah, high. So high. So high. Well, as you, Carolyn, uh, Carolyn. Yeah, go ahead, Gray. Well, you know, Karen and I got a chance to see the film yesterday and, and what Cynthia just described is, is, is shown in real time in the film at parts of it. Much of the film, I should say, is about the law enforcement aspect, the undercover reporting, the undercover investigations that, that take place in this region to try to track down where this market is coming from, who's behind it, uh, who's benefiting, who's not, and what impact it has on the community. And then interspliced throughout the film is the story of the Vaquita CPR and Cynthia's efforts leading those scientists and animal care managers and so forth. But what you and I have talked about in the past with Dr. Barb Taylor at NOAA uh, Fisheries and other people, um, you know, I knew what to expect, but to see it in real time in the film, um, it's, it's a gut punch. And you could tell that it, it was devastating to everyone who was there because it did start with a, a rather promising result with this female. And then it, as, as Cynthia just said, it, she was doing fine until she wasn't. And, um, there's one point in the film where Cynthia is quoted, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically there was a lot of pressure not to do this uh, on all sides because of the risks involved. And she said, you know, we're, we, we, we may lose them if they're in our care, but we're going to definitely lose them if they stay in the ocean. And I, again, I'm butchering the, the, her quote, but uh, there, were, there was never the, the guarantee that this was going to work. And yet these folks, including Cynthia, stake their, their reputation, <laughs> their, their lives, their possibly this project. Yeah. Their lives because you know, the Ch Chinese, the Chinese mafia criminal element, the Mexican criminal element, these are, they, they, they don't, they don't play, they don't play around. I guess I, my question for you, Cynthia is, um, you know, we're all biologists, behaviorists, zoo managers and so forth. And we talk about conservation as if the problem is just not taking in one more acre of land and turning into farmland or, Whatever. But but really what I think this film shows is that we have to really involve law enforcement in a way that I don't think most conservationists have thought a lot about until very, very recently. And that is uh, we can do all the science and everything as correctly as possible. But when you have millions of dollars uh, of uh, illegal trafficking going on, it it really tips the scale. I mean, it's a thumb on the scale, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, when we started talking about this, it did evolve from an unsustainable fishing issue that, you know, the vaquita was caught in the middle of to a wildlife trafficking, extremely dangerous, organized crime problem. And, the, the, you know, there are the, the authorities are involved, um, but there, there, in my opinion, isn't enough uh, yet. There aren't enough resources pointed at that because the issues we're still trying to understand them and how much of an impact they're having on endangered species so there is another storyline that's captured in the film which is of andrea costa who is with earth league international and this man is truly remarkable he has hired a team a big team of former fbi and cia operatives and they now a lot of them you know were getting close to the end of their career and said you know what i'd rather turn my efforts toward saving species, which is fabulous. So they have, they operate in the same way. Um, they're intelligence operatives. 
and they're gathering data and they currently um, only accept money from um, nonprofits, so not from governments. They don't want to be seen as biased by any specific um, government agencies. And then they create these intelligence dossiers and then provide them to different international governments. And then, you know, things happen. We don't know for sure if it's due to the intelligence they've gathered, but after they turned over dossiers that had to do with Tchwaba trafficking to the Chinese, U.S. and Mexican governments, the biggest Tchwaba bust ever was made in China um, just a few weeks later. And so that's important. And, and so it's going to take, yes, yes, law enforcement agencies, international wildlife trafficking agencies, and then it's going to take people like Andrea and his team who are, you know, willing to to take risks and do the work and, and help out these government agencies because they're doing it for the animals. And that's their their pure motivation is to save species. Right. Let's talk about demand. How do we and I think this is this is this is the question. How do we decrease demand for a Totoaba mm-hmm. swim bladder? Yeah. How do we, how do, I mean, because if there's no demand, there's no, there's, there's no reason to gillnet fish this, this, this particular right. animal. There's, so how, I mean, is it, is it even possible? You know, that's, it's also like saying, how do we decrease demand for tortured dog meat? How do we decrease yeah. demand for ivory, tiger penis, pangolin scale? Do, do, are, is there any forward motion that you or Gray see toward that? Toward the next generation, becoming more right. aware and saying, you know what, this, don't, is it, this doesn't help. This doesn't help me in any way. Yeah, I, I have. I think two examples. One is, um, well, the the one way is to do it with these law enforcement and nonprofits that are working on um, breaking up that supply chain. So you know, their intelligence is pointed at breaking the supply chain up, but. You're talking about then the demand exactly because and that can, comes yeah. to educating these different communities cultures countries about the impact that it's having because they may be disconnected from the fact that their tradition is actually decimating entire species and so when we were we uh the director and i were in hong kong at the hong kong film festival and we did a q a um uh with a group of people that had come to see the film and they were shocked. They were embarrassed. They were um, emotional. It was, it was, it was a, a really eye opening experience to see how they were so disconnected from it and just unaware. And they, you know, just couldn't, they, after the Q and a ended, they stayed, they wanted to talk about it. They wanted to understand how they could educate their friends and you know this was a small group of people because it was a film festival screening but it it opened my eyes to the power of film tremendous and that that's a conservation tool that we haven't really been at least I hadn't been I shouldn't say a lot of people have been thinking about it I hadn't been thinking about utilizing in this way to get these messages to right. places that are hard to reach it's 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 mass communication, absolutely mass communication, right. and That's and right. that I, I I can imagine that must have been so gratifying for you, even though it was on a even though it was on a small scale, a small a small group. How incredibly gratifying! All right, so let's talk about passion because in your podcast in in your podcast, Gray, um, Dr. Smith, you you use the phrase snapping people out of this mm. of their their disconnect or this this torpor that they that they are in, and how do I mean Leonardo DiCaprio? God bless um, yeah. him for for getting behind this executive producer. That's the money guy. So for throwing right. some money, because I know. Um, so for him for him truly getting behind this and getting and getting behind saving the vaquita. And so this is this this could be a great conservation tool. But Absolutely. in addition to this, in addition to opening people's eyes with this film, when the eyes are open, what's what's the action that needs to be taken? Because we can snap people out of it, but then if we give them nothing to do, I mean, do they write to their congressmen? Do they say, hey, I want more laws that give more funds to law enforcement? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what, what, what do we do? Yeah, so there's, you know, specific things to do for 
taquitos, you know, the list is long, but if we talk about specifically right now for the situation, there's a, there's a couple different things. Um, there's petitions that at change.org, one of them was initiated by National Geographic's on the Sea of Shadows platform. And um, so people can visit seaofshadows.film and read that petition and decide if it's something they want to find. There's other change.org petitions specifically on Vaquita. So that's about getting your voice heard and making sure that you want, if you want to help amplify the message um, that is being given to different agencies, that's a way to do it. Um, but then there's also just choices that we're making. You know, if we, if we really zoom all the way out and look at big picture, you know, how are we, how are we spending our time during the day? And is it, are we actually helping solve these issues with what we're deciding to do and how we're spending our time? And, and especially, you know, I don't want to um, discount how much we can change with my generation and, and the generation surrounding it. But man, these, these early generations where these current, you know, these young people that I've been interfacing with, this is so obvious to them. And so I'm hoping in terms of saving species, I'm hoping that a lot of folks are now looking at what can I do for a living that actually helps these issues? And how can I use my intelligence and my passion to solve these problems like alternative fishing and wildlife trafficking and social um, impact and educating global communities? I mean, so many ways that people can take what they're good at and apply it to these big picture problems. Well, as, as Gray will tell you, I personally certainly hope they go about it the right way, the rational way, the way that actually solves problems and does not does not create more, because that's, that's certainly what we don't need. Um, thank you so much. I mean, I could just, we could just go on and on and on. Gray, last thoughts? Well, just I want to say thank you to Cynthia and her team and, and all the people involved in, in really trying to bravely uh, do something that hadn't been done, which was to take in a vaquita and and uh, to just echo what she said, that we've got to be willing to act and intervene much sooner with wild populations than we have. And lastly, as this film points out, it's about the economics. And until in, in such time as we can change the economics so that wild species are worth more alive than dead, um, we're going to continue to see this kind of problem worldwide with other species. Here, here. Brilliant thought. Brilliant. Andrea, thoughts? I just want to say thank you. Thank you for doing the right thing and just giving us insight into this beautiful creature and um, and putting your your livelihood, your life on the line to rescue, you know, and be a steward of this planet. As Gray knows, I've seen I've seen enough um, animal uh, cruelty videos, uh, abuse abuse videos that I don't ever need to see another one. And 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 obviously, Sea of Shadows does not fall into it, but it is a gut punch because, as Gray knows, I have been punched in the gut a lot. I don't yeah. ever need to see anything else. But I cannot wait to see Sea of Shadows because yes, it will be a gut punch. But as I think it's, I think hopefully it's it's a worldwide gut punch uh, that I hope everyone goes to see and uh, so thank you so much dr cynthia smith for continuing your work everyone go see sea of shadows and nmmf.org which stands for national marine mammal foundation.org go donate look at what they're doing see how you can help vaquita cpr.org that is her baby that is Dr. Smith's baby. So, so, so go there, see again how you can donate, see what they are doing, see how you can help, and then cfshadows.film, I believe. And then, is there any, right. is there anything else that I've missed? Um, gosh, no. I think it's just uh, you know at both cfshadows.film and thekitacpr.org, yep. we try to paint the picture of all the different organizations involved. So there's a lot of different ways to help support these issues, and you can decide which one resonates most with you and how do you want to how do you want to help well you know our, our our diversity brethren sometimes we don't we don't agree with them a lot but on this we do agree and and we have Absolutely. to you know we have to if we're intellectually honest we have to say thank you thank you yes. for for everything that even those we do not always agree with do uh most importantly thank you
Dr. Smith for coming on the show. Will you, will you come on again and give I us would love updates? To. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll pick a cheerier topic or maybe just as important something else, you know, the, the next, uh, the next species. Yeah. Well, listen, we'll, we'll talk about the one that we, the one that we cannot wait, the next species we cannot wait to get to know. We need to get to know them yeah. right now and we need to start yeah. saving them right now. So that's what we will do. That's what oh, we'll do. Awesome. We got a list. We ha- oh, yes. Okay, good. Listen, <laughs> don't don't say it because you're coming back on. It's All right. Thing. Okay. Once again, listeners, you. you have been listening to Animal Magnetism. I am your preservationist and conservationist host, Carolyn Hennessy. I am been honored to have been joined today by Dr. Cynthia Smith, whose bio I didn't even read because I would just be getting to the end of it now. That's how that's how that's how long it is. So 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 she's she's look her up. She is worth the read. Dr. Gray Stafford, my one of my besties. Thank you so much. Um, your presence in my life means everything. Oh, Andrew, I know, I know. What what's that about? What's this? Well, oh. it's it's not a it's not an animal magnetism show unless Carolyn cries just <laughs> once. Ah, that is true. I know, I know. All right, Andrea, I love you. Well, I adore you. Too. Thank you so much. Uh, for being there now you need to get back here and also for being you just for for everything you do thank you once again to SeaWorld SeaWorld and SeaWorld Rescue we love them they do so much for this planet it makes my head spin and we have a huge love letter to SeaWorld coming up I think about nine episodes uh, releasing sea lions intake assisting with operations caring for this and that learning so much going out on a uh, on a on a on a rescue operation so we uh, stay stay tuned for that and nutrient touch nutrienttouch.com i believe is uh, is is it but just look up nutrient touch for animals uh reducing joint pain increasing mobility lowering stress great 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 for older dogs all right, we've come to the end of a fantastic show. I think this one should be submitted for the Emmys, don't you, Tony? Tony, Tony Sweet, the handsomest man in radio, who you never get to see, except on his shows. What are your shows? Hi, Tony. She, t- t- Tony's show is Friday at 4. What's it called? Truth Be Told. Truth be told. Mm, all right. Awesome. Uh, check into that. We will see you in two weeks, but remember, in everything you do, attempt to cultivate the preservationist heart. It will... It will stand you in good stead. See you later. Thanks. Bye.